Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I am your host, Tyson Bryden. On today's show, I am very happy to welcome multi-talented artist, Anthony White. Anthony, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. How's it going? Thank you so much. It's going good. Great to be here. Perfect. Uh, So before we dive into the past, let's talk about what you're up to these days. You have a band in which you sing and play guitar called Generation Landslide. I do. The first single came out February 18th, I believe, entitled Feel the Sensation. Correct. Killer track. I was trying to place it a little bit. And, and you know what? The, the thing I came up with, it was kind of has a, a Richie Kotzen vibe, which I thought like early Richie Kotzen. I don't know if you, if anyone said that to you, but I was nope, like... Nope, not yet. Really, eh? And yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So the album drops in it, this month, uh, Ruling the Street Scene, I believe it is called. Yeah coming out till june oh it's june now okay it comes out in june correct we, we're taking a little bit more steps to get more awareness and stuff before we just throw it out there the biggest question is and i was trying to fi- i was trying to look up where it can be found um for those interests where is it will it be all will it be available on all the streaming sites i know the single is available yes it should be everywhere plus we're gonna have uh CD, we're going to have all the uh, formats. It's taking a little bit longer to do the vinyl, though, because obviously everybody knows because of COVID and all the yeah. stuff that's happened. Stuff, it's, things are running behind. So, But it will ultimately be out on vinyl as well. So. Sweet. I didn't know if it yeah. was going to be on vinyl. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the slaughter of, speaking of vinyl, Fear No Evil, which was on sale last year, still hasn't come out. Right, I heard about that. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, I knew about that. There, that was behind, and uh, there was something else, and I, I can't think of the name of the group right now that I had known people in. Same thing, they're running behind as well. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the way it is, right? And but, right, as vinyl collectors like myself, you're you're like you just have to be patient. You're just like, yeah, it's going to be here eventually. It's um, right. it was like the tough vinyl that took like. What comes around goes around. That took, I think I ordered that in June. It came in late last fall, I think. So I'm actually to looking forward to it myself because I actually, I don't collect vinyl, but I have the vinyl stuff that I've been involved in. I have both of the Excursion albums. I have cool. the radio station albums that Excursion had a song on. There was three of them that we had that on. I have the Cold Sweat one. Plus I have back in those days i don't know if they still do it they have the flats you know how they used to have the album cover flats yeah it would show the 
cover and then on the back it would say something about it or a picture or it would say yes. featuring yeah i have one of those too so i'm actually looking forward to that album more than i am the cd or you know anything else actually that is cool uh, i didn't realize there was more than one excursion album to be honest with you there is there is there the first one was an ep right and a picture of the skull on it with the with the tiara and the whole okay uh, yeah. right and yep. then the second was an album called ready to roll and we were all dressed in white similar to the angel cover if anybody yep. knows the old angel cover of uh, sinful what we did was we took the three middle guys and we just kind of positioned ourselves like that because we had changed from the kiss look that we had had for the first ep uh, where we were all in black and then yep. we changed it all in white on that so yeah so there's two of those um three songs one on each of the local radio station called komp 92 um we had a song on three volumes of that and we have one other thing that's like a collector's thing i guess from what people say um we have a whole album that has kelly garney on it from I old quiet Riot. Knew that yes okay that's yeah. cool so me and Mark have been in talks and stuff like that with uh, some different people and people want to put this excursion stuff out. Um, but we want to do it right. You know, we yeah. want to do it. Uh, you know, here's what you people have heard. We want to add the rest of it to it. We want to add that album that hardly anybody's heard. If anybody really. Yeah. Um, and, we, and then we did a, a cover song of when communication breakdown. The three of us just went into the studio and we just winged it. I sang one verse, Mark sang another verse, and we just guitar, bass, drums, and just threw it together. And nobody's ever heard that either. Yeah, that's cool. So, did did you and Mark both do vocals in that band? Then we did. We yeah. both did. Correct. I have I have a CD, and I don't know if it's it's actually I, it might be a bootleg. I bought it on eBay. It is. It is. Okay, so yeah. I would assume it's both albums because everything you just described, yeah. it's got that cover with the with the uh, the skull. Yes. And then a picture on the inside of the band in black and then the cover of the full length kind in the yep. back. Yeah. Yeah. I as a matter of fact I have that same one. I got it off of eBay as my as well because i had heard all about it and stuff too i guess a place from new jersey is where i heard that it came from didn't know anything about it mark don't know anything we don't know anything about it but it just Thanks. appeared one year i guess of some form yeah and yeah so i and i thought well i'm gonna look into it so i did and I can't even remember what it cost me, but I thought, well, I'm going to just give this a try just to see what this person, you know. So I got it, and it's not, it's it's crude, it you is. know, but it, yeah. it is, so. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, I was, I, I don't know, I was disappointed with it because I was like, I don't think they really, I, I don't even know where they got, what they would have transferred it from. They couldn't. They didn't have any of that stuff. No. That's that, that's the whole point. What they probably did was took it off of the vinyl of each one of those things. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think that they did. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Right. So what we wanted to do is we wanted 
put it out as the one and all. Okay, if you people are interested in the excursion stuff, here's what we're we're doing, and here's what we got, and you know, and and go at that. That's where everything's at. Where that's concerned. <laughs> that's cool, though, and and I mean, you mentioned Kelly Garney. I just saw that. Speaking of which, that the first two Quiet Riots are being reissued on vinyl as well, which I was like, wow, that's cool. For all yeah, those. he didn't he didn't know anything about it either. That's I right, thought, he didn't. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know anything about this. So who's running this? Who's you know? I mean, Kevin's not there. Randy's not there. So who? is in charge of that so it would be i would think kelly and drew i think it was i heard it was frankie was working on it before he passed away but i I thought that was odd i mean yeah so i i I did i did hear that actually yeah it's kind of i mean hopefully they do a good job with it yeah i agree Right. I hope it's up to spec and they've, you know, they've actually gotten hold of the masters and actually take, you know, like they, they do it justice. I hope it's just not somebody putting something out for the sake of, oh, here it is. Right. We didn't really do anything with it. <laughs> right. And the thing is, is, I mean, with their concern and us just the same, like with the excursion, there's people out there that don't want to change it. But then we at the same time sit and go, well, wait a minute. We're on that. We're playing on that. We can fine tune it. I know right. it sounds whatever, but why not give the person a better listening experience to say, here's what we really intended in 1984 or 1985 to come across that we didn't do back then. So we have the opportunity to do it. Why not try to make it sound better so people at least go, oh, yeah, that's a one off. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. And be done with it, you know. I agree. I, I I mean, I'm. I hope that comes out because I I would be excited to get that. The only time I've ever actually seen a vinyl was on the wildlife videotape, and some guy, this like huge slaughter fan, came in and he actually had the the vinyl with the, I guess it'd be the full length with the three of you Correct. on the angel type of cover. I think we've both come across that. He obviously a lot more than I have, but through my travels and my history and whatever, I've seen a few of them myself and they wanted me to sign it with it when they had Mark on it or vice versa. I've heard from Mark saying you were already on it and I saw, you know, so, but you know, I'm glad that it's still at least somewhere that, you know, somebody has it, you know? Yeah. How many, how many copies were there? I believe of that, there was only a thousand. Wow. And the funny thing about that is you would be lucky if there is, I'm going to take a guesstimate about maybe 250, maybe 300 at the most that have surfaced because the rest of them were at my parents' house and they all got destroyed. No. You know, um, you know. Uh, wind or, or rain or whatever and stuff. They just sitting in a shed. So, you know, yeah. So there's not a thousand of them out there that people have. I'd say between two, three, maybe 400 at the most wow. that are around. Now, was was that the album that was, were both of them distributed by Green World? Which was, I no, remember. Just, right. Just the first one was. Okay. Just the EP was, yes. The second a chance we we were going to do something with it and then we thought well let's try to go somewhere further with it but unfortunately at the time the band was kind of coming to an end because we all kind of outgrew each other a little bit yeah and 
um, by the time it all started to become whatever, I took off for L.A. <laughs> ah, so you took off before Mark did that. I did. I left in 85, and then he left somewhere in like 87 or so when he got the uh, Vinnie Vincent gig. Yeah. Yep. I was always yep. curious about that. I, w- I had wondered if the band was still together. No. When Mark, when Mark bolted. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh, he started a different band with three different. Actually, the bass player from Excursion he put in that band, but it was two other different guys and him. They called it Rose Parade. It was a different band. Oh, I didn't know After that. Five, huh. yeah. yeah. Wow. Did you guys? Did, was there a big following for the band in Vegas at that time? Oh my God! For Excursion? Yeah, for Excursion. Oh yeah. Bill, you know, well, what are we, 30-something, 40 years later? Yeah. And I still come across people because I moved back here a couple years ago. And I, I can't believe that people have come out of the wall and just, oh, my God, I remember seeing you at a backyard party, at a kegger party in 80, whatever. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, remember that? I mean, Excursion, I guess, was a big deal. We didn't think anything about it. Mark, Al, and I didn't think anything about it. We were just kids. Yeah. But but apparently still remember the, the vibe and the buzz and the, oh, my God, I can't believe it still. It's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. I just yeah. think it's amazing that you, that you, I mean, both of you are great singers. And, I mean, Mark Slaughter and Anthony White together in one band. I just think that's, I think that's a really... I guess you could say a special thing, an amazing thing. I think there's probably a lot, there might be listeners that listen to this show that didn't even realize that you had played together in a band. Right. Wouldn't that be something, the two of us, again? Yeah, yeah <laughs> man, that would be. And obviously, you, you keep in touch with Mark still. Yeah. And the thing is, is all these years later, we were just kids. So we were just, we did whatever we wanted, whatever we felt, and whatever way we wanted. Now, we're a lot older, a lot yeah. wiser, a lot that and say okay how about let's do something for real you know again 40 years later you know but who knows i don't you know i don't know uh, yeah. it's hard to say i mean <laughs> wow and yeah. he's never he never called you to come and play with slaughter or his solar stuff or anything like that no like, the, way, the way that went back then from my recollection and i'm sure there'll be people out there maybe they remember more than i do but i remember um it was 89, I believe, because their album came out in 90, just like ours. Yeah. I and it was 89 that um, I was out in L.A. We were still hanging around and talking this and the other. He invited me down to Cherokee Studios and was telling me about the new band that he's putting together and stuff like that. And, and we started hanging out and stuff and asked me if I wanted to contribute on it and stuff and i just said no that you know whatever and stuff i said you guys you know you got your band i'm doing at the time i was doing mark ferrari's band yeah. which was ferrari, ferrari. full sweat yet so he was starting to do slaughter i was in mark ferrari's band called ferrari so it, our paths crossed and we hung out a little bit and stuff but that's about it that's really about as far as it went he just kind of did his thing and i ended up doing mine so that's cool I act- yeah. I actually have a Ferrari press photo. You do? You got to be kidding! I do. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> not on video, but it's actually signed by all of you guys. At different, I think when I got it, it was I got it on eBay again, and it came up. And I think I actually have the press 
clipping with it as well. So it's, and Oni's actually signed it too. He just signed it right. Oni. Oni but, would be in it, correct. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, I actually have it framed because it's one of my, like I have a lot of stuff, but it's, it's probably one of the coolest things that I've ever come across because I'm like, this is a band that was, it's called Sweat, but it's actually Ferrari, which I always, I always thought was like a really cool thing. Right. And at that time and stuff, what's cool about that is Oni moving on, yeah, doing Lynch Mob and becoming that in Lynch Mob and us doing Cold Sweat. So there's little connections and ties, you know, throughout this whole thing of all these people that, you know, yeah. it's, it's strange to me. You know, then you add the black and blue guys. So it's like my life has been kind of like one step after another intertwining you know with different other people and stuff like that so and it's been cool and the cool thing is it's like this interconnection with kiss too which is you know what i mean like it's kind of like it goes it it i mean there's lynch mob of course but um it's just you guys doing the kiss thing and i mean tommy thayer going on to play in kiss so exactly there's that as well so a lot of people may not realize that so hopefully another thing when they're listening to the show they're like wow this is kind of <laughs> it winds yeah yeah which yeah. is cool and and i mean for those that don't know if you go on youtube those ferrari demos they don't sound the greatest but there are songs there that weren't on the Cold Sweat album as well that are Correct. available on YouTube. That's right. Yeah. And I think there's, uh, from what I remember, I think there's a few songs that were post Cold Sweat as well. Oh, there is. I don't know if I've heard those. As well, I think there's a couple of other songs that uh, were going to be on the second record, but we never did the second record. Oh, this, I know. I know there's I know there's sweating bullets songs on right. YouTube so, as well, which are great, which sound right. amazing. Now is that's the four songs without Mark Ferrari. Right. With their with um Billy DeVette, Bill, right? Right, yeah. 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 Those are great songs. That's what I thought too, but Mark and I understand that Mark didn't want to like when we did the Monsters of Rock in 2020, we did the reunion. Yeah. And we added the newer songs into the set and stuff. And I can understand why Mark didn't want to do those other newer songs because he only wanted to do the ones that we did with him, which was understandable. But those other songs were good just the same. They were so good, man. They were, I mean, if you think about it, if it had been two, three years prior and you guys had been working on those songs, they would have been, they would have been amazing. They, they were amazing, but they would have actually, you know, it probably would have got you a deal. Right. Wrong time. Wrong time. We, we, and I, and I think a lot of it, and it's not to be blamed or anything, but it was the circumstances because of our singer issue. We were supposed to come out before all of those bands, before um, Hurricane and Slaughter and all of those other bands that came out in 89, 90, we were supposed to come out 88, between 88 and 89. But because of what happened with the singer, we caught the tail end of yeah that movement and unfortunately anything past that got swallowed because it everything was, changed everything you know? changed i mean it was it was 90 but i mean nirvana came in 91 but still things were already starting Ch- to change correct right? you know yep. it was but i mean let's be honest mca records they had so many bands on that on that label too i know which was, yeah. it was, it was so diluted. 
right. It was just way too much fighting for air, you know? And yeah. the that we had on our side was we had a great manager. Wendy Dio yeah. was great. She was so instrumental in a lot of the things, plus Ronnie. I mean, we had Ronnie in our corner. We had Wendy in our corner. Um, even Brett Hartman, who was the A&R guy, he fought and fought and fought and fought. And, and we just, wow, look at this band. I mean, why don't you give this band a chance? Well, now we're moving on. Well, That's crazy. Look at that we did just within that year's time of, you know, it's, wow, why not give them a chance, you know? But we tried and tried, and it just, you know. Yeah, it was. I, I, I just, I, from my perspective, I remember Metal Edge, you guys coming out. There's, you know, these great photos. You guys, the band looked great. You're like, oh, man, these guys are destined to be the next big band. And then, and then a few months later, you read, oh, Cold Sweat was dropped. It's like, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, this oh, makes I'm no sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but. what do you do? I mean, you, you keep going and move on. And I think that's what led Chris and myself to wanting to do something different. Yeah. Because we were tired and so fed up and upset of fighting and arguing and are we getting another album are we this are we that what are we doing well you know what we need a break so that's what led us right into the kiss thing because i was ready for something different and i didn't know what but all my life i'd been this huge paul stanley kiss guy since i was a teenager they would in metal edge they did histories of all four of us yeah. and there's pictures of me and stuff and they interview with me and stuff and i said look i used to stand out on a two-story roof when i was a teenager with a tennis racket playing kiss music thinking i was paul stanley i was That's just awesome. I was like something all my life i thought wow how cool would that be never thought it would ever happen but it was that was my guy that was the guy that i you know so, wow. so yeah. how how did that whole thing come about? So, sweating bullets is more or less done. Are you looking? Right. You're looking to move on, right? So, me and Chris decide we would just go out to like local clubs just to you know have fun and stuff. Um, and then one night we were at a place called FM Station in North Hollywood, and um, Tommy and Jamie were there, and we'd known of them and stuff. So we all hung out together and sat around and. We kind of, I don't know how it fully happened all the way, but there was conversation about, well, what are you two guys doing? Well, they're not doing a whole lot. Black and Blue at that point, if everybody remembers, they, they were, you know, doing a whole lot. Yeah. Jamie was doing like, a, I think, Freight Train Freight Jane train or something. Jane, yep. Tommy was doing... Uh, oh, Shake. What was that's that called? It. Shake the Faith? Was that what that Faith. was called? Right. The so they were yeah. doing those. And then Chris and I were like, well, we're in the middle of figuring out what we want to do. And I don't know who it was. You'd have to ask because I still can't remember. Ask any of the other three. Yeah. Whose crazy idea was it to go, hey, <laughs> why don't we start a Kiss tribute band? I have no idea. And it just happened. And we looked at each other and we just kind of like, what? You got to be kidding. How would we do that? The thought was, well, okay, well, Chris plays bass. Yeah. Tommy plays guitar. Okay, that's fine. Chris could sing. We knew he could sing. And we thought, okay, well, Jamie sings and I play drums. Well, how are we going to whatever? Well, the two of you guys have to swap. <laughs> and I, 
Bob. Oh my I God. I said, okay. Oh, and I thought about it and I thought about it and I go, oh man. So at the end of the night, I looked at them and I kind of said, okay, let's just do this. Give me two weeks. I'll go home. I'll sit for two weeks and do nothing but this. If I can do it, let's set up a rehearsal. If I can come in there and actually play, sing and pull this thing off, we'll do it. If not, it's it's foolish. It's not going to work. Right. And so I did. Two weeks later, me and Chris got together and I just recently saw the photos of the very first time him and I actually put the makeup on was at my apartment. And I looked at it and I laughed. I said, oh, I remember that time. So two weeks came. We did a rehearsal. Everybody looked at each other and said, "Okay, let's do it. And we thought, do what? Let's just do it. Yeah. So our first thing was we were just going to do it as fun. We'll put the makeup on. We'll put Kiss T-shirts on and just, you know, jeans or whatever and stuff. And just we knew play people at clubs and stuff that we could play. And we thought, well, we got nothing better to do. Let's just, you know, whatever. We started to do it that way. And the next thing we knew, everywhere we would play was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more crowded, more crowded. And the next thing we know, hey. The Kiss guys are here. What do you mean the Kiss guys are here? Yeah, Gene and Paul are here. Okay. Man, it just escalated one thing after another. And there's a picture that everybody has seen where Paul Stanley's putting my lipstick on. And all of a sudden, here we go. Now we're taking photos with them. Now it's starting to turn into, okay, so what do we got to do next? Well, if we're going to do it, we got to go full force. So now we got the outfits. We asked them where they got the boots. They told us the little Italian guy, and I can't even think of where in L.A., and he said, they said, go there, get the boots done, blah, blah. They, it was unbelievable. That is wild, man. It was crazy. The next thing you know, here we go. And it just, I, I can't even explain how it took off. I, I still to this day go, it was a Kiss tribute band. You got to be kidding me. And it just... It took off. We went to Japan. We were on the Kiss conventions. We were on Entertainment Tonight. We in magazines. It was just insane. That is crazy. So, yeah. I, I mean, I just I remember Metal Edge and just like just remembering back to that time and like a Kiss tribute band. Like they are really promoting this. Like Jerry Miller's really getting behind yeah. this, and it's everywhere. And every month you would read about Cold Gin, and it was amazing. Right. But we couldn't, technically, we all couldn't say that the KISS guys were behind it. They didn't right. back, but they were behind it. But they couldn't let that out at that point in time because they said, well, we don't want to make it look like, you know, this and that. But yet we're still taking pictures and they're this and they're that. And it was like a friend type of thing. You know, yeah. we're all hanging around together. And then you saw pictures of all of us with uh, Eric Singer and, and, uh, and Bruce. Right. And we're Troubadour now. Now we're the Troubadour and there's four guys with no makeup and the four guys with makeup. And all of a sudden it's just turning into this crazy thing. I mean, it just, that's how I can describe it. I can't, I can't even describe it any more than that. Now it's on every street corner. Everybody's in a kit. Everybody look and they look amazing. These guys that do this now, but back then, we didn't do it for that, you know. We did it for a different reason. That's crazy. So. 
Now, Chris yeah. left, though, at one point, right, to join Saigon Kick? He did, correct. And Spiro and, uh, came in? Then Spiro, who was from the Canadian band Alive. Alive, yeah. yeah. And to this day, I still feel that both combinations were untouched. Like, what I mean by that is, like, when, when you saw the four of us with Chris, musically, vocally, and everything, it was top-notch. But he was nervous to do the fire, you know, just uh, little okay. bits and pieces. He was, you know, and I don't blame the guy. Yeah. Who wants to do that? You're crazy. I mean, then when Spiro got in, it changed. It went to a different level. We lost a little bit of the sonicness of the band, but we gained this incredible. I used to look over at him and I would sit and go, holy crap. <laughs> if I don't step up my game, I'm going to look like an idiot. And it got to the point where he was so amazing live that I had to sit and go nuts. I was like, okay, well, this is what Paul would do. He jumps off of this, jumps off of that, gets down. I was doing everything and anything. Like It was insane. He pushed me so much higher that I was like, well, this was supposed to be just fun. <laughs> now, now it's like getting out of control. But it was. I loved both both versions of the band. I thought they were both great. So that's awesome. I mean, I I have talked to the drummer from Alive. He's he lives in London, and he gave me a little bit of a you know like a history of what Alive was doing back then. I, so Alive must have been. They were around at the same time up here in Canada. Then I assume correct. Right. And we had heard about him. He, not that the other ones were, weren't good or anything. We didn't even look at it like that. We thought, well, we need to take a look at the gene guy. Yeah. You know, and we crossed paths. And the minute we saw him and the minute we whatever, we were done. We were like, this is the guy. This is it right here. That's so, awesome. Wasn't there an yeah. advertisement with him beside Gene or something like a. He's got the makeup on and they're holding the bass and they're face to yeah. face. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. It, the likeness was mind-blowing. I, I still, when I see pictures, there's pictures on my Facebook and um, different other things like the cold gin page and stuff. And there's a picture of Spiro blowing the fire. And you can see me just to the side of the amps, just looking, going, oh, my gosh. It's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, I I just I remember I remember thinking back to that photo. I think that was in Metal Edge as well, or it was in one of yeah. the one of the rock magazines. And you're just like, man, that guy looks like him. That's crazy. Yeah. Did he it look like him off stage? Did he look yeah. like Gene? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was crazy. Wow. <laughs> back then, though, when Gene was back then, you yeah. know, like. Bill had more shape to his face and everything, and he, and he, and his hair was that kind of hair. It was that type of hair, and he just took the top of it and put it in a bun, and there it was. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Like, what did you guys think yeah. when he first walked in? Like, you know, you're going. Did you? You probably didn't do first rehearsal with makeup on. So this guy walks in, and you're like, correct, right? You're probably right. Like, Holy shit! This is this is <laughs> this is unreal. Right. We did the re we did a rehearsal because we had already had other shows going, and um, so we had to quickly do a rehearsal. So we did that, and we had to quickly go up to San Francisco. So we played at the Stone 
in San Francisco was the first show with Spiro. And I'll never forget that. Just looking over at him and going, holy crap, look at this guy. Man, this guy's killing me. And I just from that day forward, I thought, okay, now I've got to, you know, I got to change it up a bit more because he's really, man, he's doing that thing so good that, okay, here I go. And I just was just a nut. I was just an idiot. I just jumped off everything, ran everywhere. I just did whatever I could do to just try to keep up. Wow. So, is there is there any live footage on YouTube or oh, anything? Yeah. There yep. is. Okay, I have to look there. that up because I've never I've never pulled it up. Yeah, on the Facebook page of the Cold Gen page there's footage all over YouTube. Cool. There's footage. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I just saw footage um kind of recently that somebody had taken I can't even think of where it was, some city, and it's just rock and roll all night. And I look and I go, oh, my God. Don't, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that we're running all over the place. It's, it's insane. It's like, what? I'm surprised we didn't fall or break our necks or anything, you know. Wow. But, yeah, so I just saw that. There's footage, definitely footage out there. Wow, that's good. Okay, I'm going to have to look it up. Now, did, did, Tommy, did Tommy sing? then did he do did he sing he sang some he sang uh-huh bits and pieces okay I, I always wondered that because i mean i don't think he's does he he doesn't sing in kiss now right he doesn't do well, any he, of the ace songs does he i don't know because i don't but we didn't see what people the, the what people do now in the kiss thing is they do the history of it right what it when we did it because we were one of the first ones. We picked a year that we felt was the best. Ah, cool. Moment. So alive for us, anybody who knows, anybody who's a Kiss fan, it's great to hear Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun. Those are great. But at that point in time, they turned more into a poppier or a younger. Exactly. Yep. Other. Well, if you look at the back cover of Kiss Alive, look at that audience that they're playing for. Yeah. That's he wanted we wanted the black and silver to just get out there cool. and just absolutely tear it up to where we didn't have to worry about you know doing all the other stuff so he didn't have to sing shock me he didn't we didn't have to do i love it loud we didn't have to do any of that stuff yeah and i i have a hard time with with kiss and makeup doing non-makeup song, songs <laughs> i've always i was like that just seems weird to me like doing lick it I, up. I always found that I always I find that weird. I do too. I, I to me, I struggle with that, and I also struggle because I know Tommy and I know Eric so well, and I love those guys to death. But it's hard for me to watch those guys in Peter and Ace's makeup. Yeah, to okay. me, I know them who they are and how they are, and they're great people. I just go, oh my god, it's so weird to see the two of them in that. Like you know. And I, I just, I don't know. I think it's great. I, I, I love that. Yeah. Do it. I mean, but it's just me to see it. I saw it, you know, when Tommy did it with me doing it, you know, and I thought, oh, it's fun. Oh, this is a lot of fun. Wait a minute. It's not fun anymore. This is his job. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, he, they both do a great job. It's, I mean, for me, it's, and, and I support it. I, I think it was the only way for Kiss to, carry on doing the makeup right was i agree right that's one thing i'll give them if you're gonna put someone in makeup those two guys are the only choice they really really are yeah so i agree 
Yeah, because yeah. you couldn't put Bruce in Ace's makeup. He doesn't. No, he doesn't look That's- like Ace, right? Where Tommy's kind of got that. You know, he pulls it off. It looks good. Right, and there really wasn't any other drummer. Right. Think about. It. Yeah. It's not Pete. Not Eric Carr. Right. Eric Singer is, as far as I'm concerned. You can't have another drummer in Kiss than him. I mean, that's... No, I agree. Yeah. That's the... So, you know. Exactly. So, it it is what it is. Um, it, it gets frustrating when I know, like, Paul's getting up there and people, I, they talk about it. They're like, well, he can't, he can't sing like that anymore. It's like, man, he's like... I don't even know how old Paul is. Is he, is he close to 70? I don't know, but... You know, he's still out there doing it, and I think it's amazing that he is. I agree. To be able to do that, I mean, it's one thing to do it in your 20s, but yeah. to do it all through your whole life and still keep up that he There's something about him that I've always thought and I've always known since I was a teenager. There's something about him that he'll do that until he can't do it again. And if he can't do it again, he's done. Yeah. But until then, he's going to give you the best he can possibly bring or give at any given time. And that's the one thing about him. He's that kind of a person. I mean, that's what's great about him. That's why I've always had an admiration for him. Um, doesn't matter how old he is. He still doesn't does. matter. He still does he his best there. and he's going to bring it as, as best as he can bring it for the fan base. Right. He knows what he's doing and he knows how to get it. And that's yeah. just, that's it. That she is who he is. I mean, you know, so, and, and the funny thing about it is we're supposed to be tonight. Um, I finally get the video for Generation Landslide. The cool. video's done. Start releasing it, I believe, in the next day or two. Awesome. And the funny thing Great is, is what, pe- what people will realize is that I've always had that little bit of Paul Stanley in me. And when you see it on the video, you're going to know it because... I've always felt that he was the ultimate front guy, the ultimate, even some of my singing is similar to his. Cause I like his phrasing. I like his melody and I love the way he moves and he controls. He, you know, he, he's a front man with a guitar yeah. instead of a front man. Like David Lee Roth is a front man, front man. You know, you run all over, whatever. He's a yeah. front man with a, guitar. It looks with a so guitar. cool that, wow, man, that's awesome, you know. So there's similarities when uh, when people see the video of this. And that's, you know, that's that's my, that's who I am, so. Yeah, no, you know what, and I'm glad you brought us back to that because I was, I was trying to work back to Generation Landslide. Um, and I had a few questions, like, how long have you been doing this project? Um, it's only been in the last couple of years. Okay. And, it was originally supposed to be where I had songs and I was just looking to get them out. And then once there was interest in it, then the only natural thing to do after that is say, okay, well, I have to put a band together. If we're going to actually do it, let's just do it and do it right. So I put a band together around it and it just kind of went from there. And um, I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. I'm so grateful and thankful that I actually am able to even do this. This is, and it's nothing against me playing drums. You know, people ask me, Oh my God, well, you're this great drummer. Why don't you just keep playing drums? I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to play drums anymore, but I, I wanted to do something 
different on a different instrument doing a different thing just to see like i did the kiss thing i just yeah. want to see if I can do it if i can't do it i'll bow out gracefully and call it a day i have no problem with that well i but, mean the, you know the good indication is that song is killer so I am really looking forward to the album. So I, I think you, I think you do a great job out of it, at it. To be honest with you, yeah. So we have um, the second one comes out in May. The second song is coming out in May, and the album's coming out in June with the third song. Cool. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to just coordinate one after another, create a buzz with the first song, see what happens let it die a little bit, do the video now. Now we've got the video done. We'll see if we can generate some more interest. Second one, we're already starting to work on us getting the video going and together. The song will come out sometime in May um, and then just build it to the record. When the record comes out, hopefully there's enough hype and buzz and, you know, something about it to where, you know, we can hopefully go out on the road and start doing this whole thing, you know. So now, I mean, a very important question is who is in the band besides yourself? So who's in the band is um, the other guitar player is a, a friend that I had known from years ago in old Las Vegas. He used to he was in a band that used to open up for excursion. Wow. And we became friends again. We had drifted for many years and stuff and we got reacquainted again and stuff when it came out here and i was looking for a guitar player keyboard guy to do a a tribute band or a cover band that would be a you know a utility guy you know how you have a guy who could play guitar and keyboards because yep. i could play guitar i need another guy who could play guitar and keyboards so when that kind of fell through i asked him i said well i'm putting together this original thing would you be interested and he listened to it and he he loved it he thought the material was great I said absolutely i'm in so then I turned around and I, uh, I got the drummer who actually I'd known for 30-something years and we drifted apart just the same. And I knew if I would ever do an original thing, that's the drummer I wanted because he, had, he has what I bring, but his version of me, if that makes any sense. If people liked my playing on Cold Sweat, they'll love his playing because it's similar just it's it's a, just got this little thing to it a little different but it comes from my the same thing as me yeah and so he's the drummer his name is kenny uh kenny Kadelka. he actually was in lillian x yeah for killer many years drummer. killer drummer yeah and he's a great drummer and i've always wanted him so i got back in touch with him and he heard the material again and he said yep i'm in and then I pulled a friend of mine who I played in a cover band in Ohio when I had given up the music and kind of went on the on the lamb there and in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. I took this guy with me and I played with in a cover band with him for the last 15, 16 years. Wow. And so I was going to do this. I gave him a phone call and I said, hey, would you be interested? He goes, of course. Are you kidding? You don't even have to ask me. I'd be right there with it. Cool. So, and his name's Jonathan Swanson. So, and Sandy Stein is the other guitar player from Las Vegas. Yeah. Cool. So, and I just, I said, okay, well, let's just see what we can do. Let's have fun with it. And if people enjoy it, let's do it. If they don't, hey, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. You know. Now, so. Now, in terms of songwriting, did you write everything or was it a... I did. You did. I did. I wrote all 10 of the songs on there. And at this point... 
uh, I'm already writing for a second thing. I've already got all 10 of the next songs just because I come from the old school, you know, like all those other guys, Aerosmith, Kiss and all them. And they put the record out, but they know they have other material ready yeah. just in case when bombs, they're ready. This yeah. one succeeds. They're ready. You know, every, whatever. So I figured, well, I'll have a couple of albums in me. Let's just see where it goes and see what happens. And then that's it. So I'm already prepared for a for another thing just in case. Awesome. Now, <laughs> I, I, un- I understand you're going to be playing drums with Steel City as well, which... I am. Um, which is with point, Roy. Doing a show with them July 28th in Philadelphia. Cool. It's this three-day festival thing i don't know a whole lot about it um but we're playing on the first i think it's thursday friday and saturday and um yeah i just i just got their material and i was told to just learn you know x amount of these songs or whatever and then we'll get together and try to hash it out and i guess be ready for that and at this point that's all i'm doing at this point i mean he's I know Mike is wanting to do a, a third record yeah. and uh, he's got material ready and he sent it out and stuff. But for me, it's his band. Yeah. So he can choose, you know, and then just tell me if all works out, you know, and that's also contingent on if I can be available to do it yeah. more than, you know, I told him I would do the July 28th. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't know how much more or how further I can do it unless this, you know, doesn't do anything or other things that I'm involved in. So, yeah, that's but cool. we'll see how, that's yeah. Cool. Mike was actually nice enough to send me, I had him on my, I had him on the show last year and he was nice enough to send me the two CDs, the first two. Yeah. The one with Roy and then the one with the other side. Right. Yeah. Which was, which was awesome of him. I thought, oh man, this guy's cool. And I, I had talked to him probably about a month ago. We were messaging oh, back and forth. Real cool guy. guy. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Roy actually was the middleman to that. He called me up one day and said, hey, the other band that I'm in, whatever, is looking for a drummer. What do you think and stuff? And I said, well, send me, you know, is he cool or what? Yeah, he's a great guy. He's cool. You'll you'll dig it. Yeah. And I liked it. And I I was like, okay, cool. That sounds good. So, awesome. so Roy, me and Roy being, you know, in a thing together. And not being cold sweat, that's kind of cool. That is very cool. When I when I saw that come out, that I was like, oh man, that's awesome because you know, being a big cold sweat fan, so yeah, to see you guys playing together again is awesome. Yeah. You know what? I did. I did want to ask you a couple more cold sweat questions. Oh um, sure. How did you get the cold sweat gig? <laughs> uh, it was a combination of Mark Slaughter. And Greg Chase on a Badlands. Really? Yeah. So at that time, um, Mark, I believe, was doing demos with Fred Corey, was the drummer on it. And him, and I can't remember who the bass player was. I think Tommy might have been involved a little bit. He helped write something. Oni was there. And he was looking to put the band together. And so he had Oni. And then he had Eric yeah. was the next one. And then me, he, I got in contact with him. He had gotten my information and my name and everything from Mark and from Greg Chason. And I auditioned and got the gig. And then 
he had a friend of his from Boston playing bass at the time, Mark Norman. Right. And just didn't work out all the way with him. So I said to him, I know a guy. And little did they know, I was already prepping him. And I said, let's just do a couple of rehearsals. Here's the material. He went in there to do the audition and Mark was blown away. Oh my God. We never told him that I had already had gone through the material and worked with him like that's a week so or so. Cool, and, man. and that's how Chris got the gig was, you know, just came in and he just aced it and that was it. And wow. Yeah. And then how did Eric come into the equation? Pete Way. Pete Way. Because he was um, in Wasted, right? Because Eric correct. had played in Wasted, right? That's right. And he knew some same mutual people and Mark wanted another guitar player similar, you know, like Keel. He wanted yeah. to keep the band. Um, I don't know if he calls it more modern than Keel. I don't know what he called it, but it was similar to the Keel fashion. So he wanted two guitar players, a bass player, and a drummer. So that's how he got a hold of Eric. And Eric, I believe, was like several years younger than the rest of us. But he's such an amazing player that, you know, his yeah, talents. Wasn't he like 17 when he was playing with Wasted or something? Yeah, he was young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah amazing player. Now, one of my fondest memories of seeing the original video for Let's Make Love Tonight was your drum kit with that CS logo. I always thought that looked so cool. Yeah. Do you still have that? Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, you know, what's funny is most people keep a lot of different stuff like that, and I thought I would for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not the only question I've ever been asked. I've been asked, do you still have the Kiss stuff? Oh. I don't have of it i have no outfits i have no i have nothing no the gloves i had the feathered flag i sold everything i people asked me if they could buy it different parts and pieces and things that i thought were whatever and i either sold them or i threw them away and and the same with the bass drum heads i don't know whatever happened to them they might have gotten torn they might have i just yeah. don't know through they and we had those backdrops, you too. You had the backdrops, yeah. They're in the video. Yeah, and those looked awesome, too. Yeah. I have no... Maybe Mark might have those still. Yeah. But, unfortunately, I don't have the two bass drums. But I have headbands. You do? I'm wearing it. And it's a cold sweat headband. I I still have a few of those. I kept those. That's cool. That's <laughs> I don't know why. No, I but. mean, it's, it's a cool... It's a nostalgic... I mean, it was part of your life. So, I totally get that. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to have excursion bass drum heads too. Really? There we I don't know if anybody ever knew. We did a video for one of the excursion songs. Oh. And I, it's unbelievable. We <laughs> we did it. And I would love to find a better copy. My copy jumps a bit, but it still blows me away. I've not watched it in forty something years and I put it on and I went, You gotta be kidding. These young kids like acting like idiots and <laughs> It's pretty funny. And I have the, the logo on both of the bass drums there, too. Yeah. Now, I must ask you about the recording of that drum intro for Four on the Floor. Okay. Was that... Did you did you guys work on that in pre-production? Was that no. all set out that that's how it was going to go? Or was it kind of one of those off-the-cuff uh, type of things? It was... I just came up with it. I literally just came up with that in the beginning of Cry and Shame. Yeah, because, you, yeah, you have two drum intros on the first two songs on the album, which is cool. Yeah. 
back. So, you know, when we played live or whatever, I'm the I'm the first person, you know, everything's all whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm the guy who's got to go out there by himself and all of a sudden do that drum intro. It's like, well, that's a little nerving, isn't it? But uh, I it just was part of the song. Mark had the thing. I believe he wrote that song, I think, with Tommy. Oh, with I think Tommy, yeah, Tommy. that's right. I think it just it just started and so i just thought well let's do something different i mean you're going to start a record everybody knew that that would be the first song yeah but you can't just, well, how are you going to start it yeah. just one two three four and go in so i thought well as we were learning and playing it and this and the other i just came up with that drum intro and then once it comes into it the band kicks in and that's how it that's how it goes that's so amazing yeah. I, I mean, I asked Roy when he was on the show back in December what he remembered of recording the album, but he said he didn't come in until later. Correct. He, right. Um, everything was really almost done, to be honest. See, he had a, bits and pieces on a few of the songs. Right. Long Way Down, I believe he had a part of um, Killing Floor, uh, Fistful of Money. I think he had a, just a few of them because he came in at the tail end of right. a lot of stuff that we had already had and we already had, had done, but we altered a little bit of it. You know, like when we got him and we were ready to finally record, we knew that we would change a couple bits and pieces because he was a totally different singer than Oni was. Right. Oni, vibe guy, you know, a feel, you know, he, you can play off of a, a, a beat or a rhythm or something. Uh, Roy is, man, he's chop city. You know, I mean, you, you got to play and he'll sing you a melody that, you know, blow you away. So we altered, you know, a few of the things here and there to just round it a little. It still has oniness on it. Yeah. Yeah. Crying shame. The demo is very close. Like the demo that's on YouTube is very close to what Roy sang on the, on the album, I think. Right. Correct. Yep, it is. Now, did, did Oni actually do vocals on the recording of the album? Nope, not at all. Not at all. Anything here of Oni was a demo. Okay. We had done demos. Um, we did like two or three different ones. Um, and then I think the third or the fourth one was with Ronnie. Ronnie oh. actually, yeah, the very last demo we did before Oni left, we did two songs, I believe, Cry and Shame and a song called Stay. That's, and great, Ron, that's on the Medicine Wheel album. On the first yes, Medicine Wheel. And right. Ronnie was the producer, and Angelo Acuri, who was Ronnie's engineer for all his albums, he was the engineer on it. Yes. So we went in and did the two song demo. And when you hear that, you sit and go, wow, productions through the roof. And listen to Oni's vocals. And you can tell that Ronnie is really getting him to just sing that melody that you hear on the album similar because at that point in time well i've been taken once again that's why it's because that's that's only singing along the the ronnie style and that's why Uh, roy sounds similar to that that's cool and which was which was totally in roy's wheelhouse anyway oh yeah for sure oh man (laughs) roy's one of my favorite singers in the world so i mean I just, I, I mean, the, yeah. the when the, on the Bevan Davies CD, his version of High Wire, the Badlands song, I was just like, wow, man. He's he, he's an amazing singer. 
Yeah. And it's fun. I got to tell you a little thing. I, I don't know if you just saw it or not. You know, the fifth, they just did like a week, a week and a half. Yeah. A little tour. And, um, and I was looking on Facebook and stuff. And I, I came across this thing where somebody had videoed one of the songs. And it was Long Way Down. No way. And it was playing Long Way Down. And I, I had to message the band after that. I said, man. I just saw the you know the video of you guys doing Long Way Down. I said you guys killed it. It was what a great job you guys did on it. Wow, it was crazy. I you know I had heard that through his time that he had done Cold Sweat songs. I've heard him do Crying Shame. That's what I had heard that he did, but I had no idea he did Long Way Down. I didn't know that either. That's awesome. I'm gonna check that out. Oh my goodness! Look at this with a four piece. Yeah. So the guitar player was trying to cover both parts. It was crazy. That's nuts. (laughs) I always, Mm -hmm. I always wondered: was there a marketing plan in place for the next single and video before? Like, was there a whole plan in place? Yeah, it was supposed to be "Crying Shame." Oh, I figured it probably was. Would it was it it was supposed to be "Crying Shame" at the very beginning? That was the song. That was the video. That was the way everything was going. And at the last minute, they turned around and and decided, no, we're going to go with this song. It's more commercial. And we wow. thought, well, that's not what we wanted. We wanted Killing Floor, Long Way Down, Four on the Floor, Crying Shame. When you listen to that record, you hear, Take This Heart of Mine is a great written song, and so is Let's Make Love. Yeah. But they're very, very commercial. Yes. And I just, we wanted something stronger, something... And then if you want to do Take This Heart of Mine or Let's Make Love Tonight, that's great. And then the third one was going to be the ballad. Waiting in every Yeah. Right. At that time, that's what pushed Slaughter over the top. That's yeah. what pushed several bands, uh, Warrant. Several of the bands pushed them over the top with the ballad. We never got to that point. That's, that's crazy. So, it's funny right. that you mentioned that because when I first heard the album, uh, my assumption when I first heard the album that Cry and Shame was the first single. Yep, it was. Because because to me, I thought that is, that's the song that I think would have, uh, I just, it was always one of my favorite songs on the album. Right, and that solidified the band. That's what the band was all about. Whenever you saw Cold Sweat Live, it wasn't waiting in vain. It wasn't commercial. It wasn't whatever. Right. We Right out from the gate, we just four on the floor, and we just tore it up right after that into Love Struck, and then into this and this, and we just kept going until we got to the Fogat song. Oh. Thank you, good night. That was that was the type of band we were. So, Crying Shame was by far the most natural choice for the band to put out. Yeah, and that makes and total I'm- sense to me. So yeah. they. They, uh, well, I mean, obviously, it sounds like they made, MCA made a lot of mistakes. They did. And then here's the funny thing about it is, so we're out on the road and the album comes out and when are you going to do a video? Well, we're waiting. Well, we're oh, waiting. Oh, my God. I had to do the video. So let's make love tonight. It's a single. <clears throat> and we're thinking to ourselves, what are we going to do for a video? You know, so then we asked Wendy and. Wendy asked Ronnie, and he said, absolutely. So that, what I love about the video is the fact that I think the song is good. 
But the video is even better because of the simple fact that Ronnie gave the okay the night before down in Texas for us to use. His stage, he said right? they can use the stage, they can use the effects and our crew. Give them whatever they want. So we were like, wow, we're this brand new band that don't have nothing. And when you look at that video, all of a sudden you think, wow, look at these guys. You know, it was all on account of Ronnie and he was even in it and everything. I mean, it, I, it was, he was such an amazing person. He helped this band out tremendously. That's how we were able to play the Monsters of Rock over in Germany yeah. because they want Ronnie. And they turned around and said, Ronnie will go, but we want this band to go on there with them. And that's how we ended up getting there with Vixen and Poison and White Snake and Aerosmith. And there we were, the opening act in front of close to 100,000 people because of Ronnie and Wendy. It was crazy. That's nuts. Now, now besides MCA, were there other labels that wanted to sign the band? Yes. And here's... Here's the ending to that whole story. <clears throat> At that time, we were doing the demos and we were doing things and there were smaller labels interested. But if everybody remembers the timeline, that was when Ronnie was going to get back together with Black Sabbath. Ah, okay. So what happened was, is we were all standing around and we can't blame Wendy. That's her. I mean, Ronnie's going to go to Black Sabbath. That's way more important than we were. Yeah. So you can't blame At the same time. You're our manager and you left five guys sitting there going, hey, hey, what about us? Hey, and the next thing you know, smaller labels are interested. Well, half the band wants to do it and the other half of the band don't want to do it. So we're fighting and arguing going, what are we going to do? Right. Look, oh, man. the story's been said a million times about anybody who's a musician and tries to make it in the music business. You want to make music. You want to be a recording artist. Yeah. I didn't L.A., to just, you know, hang around and whatever. I wanted to make music. So I wanted to go with, hey, if it's a smaller label, let's give it a try. What have we got to lose? Yeah. So that was where part of my whole change of the bittersweetness that we talked about earlier at the beginning of the whole cold sweat thing. I loved it. But at the same time, I didn't love it because I was upset that, Wendy went with her bigger client, left us to our own devices. The five of us are fighting and arguing. Nobody could make a decision. Then what are we supposed to do? Who's going to take over? Yeah. And that was, and that's why we didn't do a second record. And that's why the band broke up or Mark Ferrari left or we, you know, mutually let him go. And he left at the same time. Yeah. Huh. That's how all that happened. And, you know, you got to remember we're only, 25 years old at that yeah. point. You know, so a 25-year-old kid who's out in L.A., you think, okay, well, I got the first taste of it. Did a record, did a video, did a tour. Okay, what's next? What's next? What? Nothing next. Well, I didn't care for that very much. So. Yeah, no doubt, man. Like, I mean, Metal Edge was still giving Sweating Bullets exposure. So you right. guys were still, you know, like I'd open the magazine and you guys, the band would still be in there. I mean, different guitar player, but I was still right. interested to know what was going on. But and, we didn't have, we didn't have a management enough yet right. again. Yeah. And we didn't have, now Mark is a lot of, you know, people, 
Mark did a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't realize behind the scenes that created all that the band and everything, you know, um, I, and the funny thing is I didn't realize how much he did until it came to my turn. Now I'm doing it all. So he wore a lot of hats and he did a lot of things that a lot of people didn't realize. So when you lose something like that, everybody could say what they want. Oh, they got ideas like crazy. Somebody's got to implement it and somebody's got to take control and lead it. He was that guy. And without that, we were kind of left just sitting there. Five guys just going, okay, now what? Yeah, it's just <laughs> Well, it's time to call it quits. Yeah, that's too bad. I mean, and and you factor in the times of hard rock. Um, Correct. You know what I mean? Trying to make it at that time because, I mean, right. it was tough on every band. It was tough on bigger bands like, you know, like Warrant and Slaughter and all those bands. I mean, they everybody struggled. You had to change your style. Yeah. So at that time, here was the choice. Find another management. Someone's got to take the ball, you know, the, the reins, and we got to alter the music now. Now it's not cold sweat anymore. You got to sit and make it heavier. You got to scream a little more. You got to, yeah. and it was just, the factors were just too many. And it just, that was it. Uh, you it was, know, it was a weird time as a music fan at that time. It was, a, it was, I mean, for me, it was a, it was a hard pill to swallow because I wasn't necessarily into what was being told to me that I should be listening to now. I was like, well, right. I'm, I'm, that's not really not that's really not me. That's not my thing. This is the thing before was what I really loved. Right, exactly. And they could say what they want. Oh, 80s hair bands. Oh, 80s hair. But you know what? That revived a lot of the music. What people don't realize is mm -hmm. that was a huge scene, huge scene when all of those bands, every band from Skid Row to Cinderella to Motley Crue to everybody. That was such a big scene up until the 90s changed yeah well here comes nirvana and here comes soundgarden and pearl jam and, and allison chain okay i get it now it's shifting so now what's everybody gonna do well i mean it was uh, in terms of how i term it is it was kind of unhappy music as opposed to what we were getting before which was a little bit more right. positive right i guess you could call it right. nothing yes. against those bands but i wanted to i still wanted that positive message in the music i was listening to Right. You wanted to feel good. You wanted to be happy. You wanted to see everybody yelling and screaming and jumping and shouting and have a good time. Exactly. That turned around where everybody was like in a state of like, Ooh, oh, I you know, know. It's, uh, uh, you, you know, what happened? And you try and describe that to people now. They're like, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, it was a lull point for me in music. It was hard to, right. it was hard to grasp that because everybody's walking around, you know, like depressed and, you know, like, it's like, no, music isn't supposed to be. I don't listen to music to feel that way. Right. And it has its place. Don't get me wrong. It does. I mean, absolutely. Fans, I, I think, are amazing. I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan. Always yeah. have been. But, I but mean, at the same Alice time, it, it just, you lose some of that energy, that excitement, that everybody's yeah. just standing there and just going, yeah, man, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Where's where's the excitement? Where's the but you know? When I mean, when you talk about Alice in Chains, though, they got lucky because they got lumped into Seattle when they were originally lumped into, you know. Yep. 
into the, I guess you call it the hair thing, because I remember up here on Much Music, the Power Hour would play Man in the Box. It was lumped in with that. It wasn't lumped in with right. Nirvana. Right. Same with Stone Temple Pilots. Right. That was another huge band that I loved. I loved both of those bands, and I thought, well, it's really grunge. They're not really Seattle, even though one came from Seattle. They're different. They're different than those other bands. They are totally you know? different. They were totally right. different. They just got lumped into it. And right. I mean, you didn't lump Queensryche into, because they were from Seattle, into that. Right? Right. Yep. You're right. So it's, I mean, it all comes down to labels, right? That labels, <laughs> the record labels put a label on what, how they're going to market bands. Right. The benefit for them. Right. You know, do they really care about bands? Do they really care about fans or no. people or music people in general? No, they care about the almighty dollar. So exactly. what's the next scene? Oh, let's just do this scene. Let's find these kinds of bands. Let's find these kinds of artists. And it's still happening today. It is. And it totally is. I don't knock it. There's always a place for a pop star puppet. I've always said that all my life. You take the Sean Cassidy's and the whatever and stuff, you modernize them and you turn them out to these people now. I get it. But it's all because of labels want to make their own money. They don't care about anything other than that. I think I think it's, it's people I think it's people like us that listen to music and we kind of see past that. You know what I mean? We get it. Right. There's people that are going to buy into that, but then there's people kind of like us that are going to say, no, 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 that's that's not my thing. I don't buy into that. But right. and a, you, a lot of people do. And the funny thing is, is once again, going back to what I'm doing now is from what I've heard, when people have heard the different songs on the record, they're like, I can't quite place it. It's It's modern, but it sounds like the 80s, but yet it sounds like the 90s, but it sounds like the... There's so many different elements. I had a friend of mine who had didn't hear feel the sensation, and I saw him out at a, at a place somewhere. And he goes, "You know, I gotta be honest." He said, "I listened to the song." He goes, "At first, well, okay, kind of similar to other stuff." He said, "But when you got into the middle bridge and you shifted gears and turned it into it, he goes, that was it." I was sold. I was hooked. And that, from that point forward, I think the song's great. I said, everything that I've written is not one. It's not grunge. It's not pop. It's not. It's such a mixture of what I hear in my head that I just combined. And I feel that people now are ready to swing something around. I, I like, think this yeah. is. I agree. You know what that. I'm saying? Like I agree with it's, that. It's not labeled hair metal but people are listening to him going it sounds familiar but i can't quite place it it sounds cool it's different different yeah maybe that's maybe that's why i got the richie cotton vibe out of it like early richie cotton like when he was on shrapnel records because right. because i couldn't place it right it's got little different elements. If you want good drums, it's got good drums. If you want, you know, like double harmonies, there's harmony guitars on there because there's two guitars. There's Love singing it. vocals. There's harmonies. There's all different things within the context of, well, this is so typical. This sounds like whatever. I didn't, I didn't want to do that because I just felt at some point, you know, it's like jeans or shirts or any other thing. The fad comes, you know, Something comes back around yeah. and hopefully 
catch on it again and go, wow, this is a new spin on something that's, I don't know, old Aerosmith. You know what I'm uh, saying? Yeah. That, you know, yeah. and that's what I went for. And, and so far, people have said, I can't quite place it, but it sounds different. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Do you like it? And they say, yeah, I think it sounds, it's great, but I can't, well, that's good. I don't want it to sound like Guns N' Roses or, you know. Yeah, you want it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get right. that. Yeah, and th- and that's that is totally what I get out of it because you're trying to place it because everything you listen to now you're like you try and compare it to something. I think you Correct. always do. It, it it it's a natural thing, right? Right. Especially now. Nowadays, it used to be way back. You know, however many years ago, you can generally get into the clump of it. Yeah. But now, every single person is looking for. What does that sound like? Does that sound like? Does that sound like? Yeah. They're waiting for the next, whatever it is, and that's where you got to just go with what you're you feel. And if it sounds like, have you ever heard that before? It sounds familiar, but I can't place I it. Can't place good. It. Yeah, that, good. And that's good. I I I reference that back to the '80s and the first time I heard Guns N' Roses, and I heard Axel for the first time, and and I didn't oh. like it. I was like, I don't get this. Like, I went and bought out. I went and bought the tape, and I'm like, but then the more I listened to it, the more I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Yeah, different, and it's like a modern spin because when you listen to their riffs, that first Guns N' Roses album is classic. Yeah, when it came out, the way they put it all together, it's '70s material, but not '70s. No, exactly. It's 80 it's got that new spin that new feel that people sit and go welcome to the jungle and you listen to the riffs that's all old zeppelin and totally is but then oh you know but then you factor in duff's bass playing though which was more punk right and you've got this punk element on the bass end and then you've got you've got izzy who's kind of like this hanoi rocks type of uh, yeah yeah, it was. It, it, I think it was the right time for that to come out. Yep, yeah. but it did this thing that we were just talking about. That it, when you hear it, God, I can't place it. Yeah. It sounds, but I can't. And then the next thing you know, one song after another, you just listen through to them, and you go, "Wow, I just listened to that whole record. Man, that's pretty darn good." Yeah, I got to listen to it again. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about when you know. That's how I'm trying to approach it. Whether people agree with it and like it that way, that's not for me to judge. But that's how I approached it to say, I'm going to take the listener. Here's the first song. Here's the second. And by the time you get to the last, you go, okay, either yay or nay or whatever. And that's it. But it's going to be different. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, I'm really looking forward to the album. So June, it's going to be released. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was truly a okay. pleasure. And I really appreciate the fact that we talked Cold Sweat and Excursion as well as talking about Generation Landslide because that was a lot of fun for me because I I, I mean, loving that Cold Sweat album so much to be able to to get to talk about it too and get, get some more. I mean, I've had Mark on the show and I've had Roy, but um, you gave me a little bit even more perspective of stuff that I may not have known. Right. Yeah. Well, my, my version of things is just kind of like straight to the heart and, 
you know, sometimes people like it and sometimes people don't. But that's my memories. That's my recollection of, you know, things. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It just yeah. kind of was what. No, so, it was. But it was. I do appreciate how much. I'm glad you liked it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, man. Cool. Thank well, you. I'm so just much. <laughs> What's that? Sorry. I said, even though I'm just the drummer, but I do thank you and appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes a drummer, I mean, I've had, I've had many drummers on my show, and there's always a different insight sometimes from the drummer perspective, not just right. from the drum, the, the playing, but it's, you know, being within the band. And sometimes a drummer remembers more than everybody else for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different take. It's a different perspective of it. Yeah. yeah. And I do agree with now changing instruments and being that other person of it i know what you mean being the drummer part you remember different elements that other guys in the band might not have right saw in that you know thing so i mean yeah. and and let's be honest the drummer is usually the guy who's in the studio from the beginning you know you're, you're the guy laying down the drum tracks that you know that becomes the album so right so that's kind of cool. cool yeah awesome okay anthony well, it was good yeah, you too, man. I'll uh, I'll let you know when this posts, and I'll, okay. I'll tag you in it, and uh, and it should be hopefully in the next week or so. Okay, cool. And I'll keep you informed on anything else going on. I'm sure you'll be aware of it. Any of the songs or any of the cool. anything else that happens, I'll okay. get in touch with you. Okay, thanks, man. Okay, have a great night. All right, you too. Okay, all right. Okay, take care. Bye. 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 